Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Hope everyone has had a fantastic week. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about today because there are absolutely zero fights. Well, zero major fights, I should say, this weekend. There are some club shows around the world, as there are every weekend, of course. But uh, no major cards to talk about. There's some stuff next week. But uh, we don't even have news to talk about because the biggest news is rumors about possible news coming in the future, right? Of course, there are quote-unquote negotiations going on between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, and those are all bullshit. I think that neither of them are fighting um, for the remainder of 2022. But there are legitimate negotiations going back and forth between Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. There have been pretty much all year, but um, heavy negotiations over the summer. And we've heard about 8,000 reports about how those, you know, you know, now it's signed. Those two fighters have agreed to terms and it's done deal. And uh, there's a, you know, a pending uh, imminent announcement coming and just hold on, you know, because the fight we all want is here. And of course, um, every single time somebody puts out one of those reports, a couple weeks go by and we find out that, uh, oh, well, actually, now there's a new snag and now there's this going on and now there's that going on. And guys, if you haven't figured it out yet, the I'm not even going to name the names, okay, because I'm not trying to call out anybody specifically here. And this isn't some code word or whatever. Don't start no beefs. But there are certain people that put out these reports. You guys know the names. I don't need to repeat them. The whole point is to string people along for clicks for their website. That's how they get their money. It's how they justify their position, getting the you know pretty large income that there's only a handful of these guys that actually get a sizable income in boxing media now in the, in the United States, in the English-speaking boxing media. And um, to justify that big old fat paycheck and their agent getting their cut and everything else, because these guys now have uh, talent agents you know, the top three or four of them. Uh, yeah, so uh, they got to keep the clicks coming in. And that's how they do it. That's how they do it with the, these little reports. Well, to, and I saw one today. Now, now of course, uh, Tyson, or not Tyson, <laughs> Terrence Crawford is upset about something else. Now he wants um, transparency with the expenditures, apparently. Um, I, I don't know. Look, I think all of it is nonsense. I think it's just bullshit to string people along and to get clicks and the promoters love it because it's a way to keep promoting their fight without actually having a fight announced yet. So, you know, if you go, I've done this a couple of times this week, I, I've um, gone to Twitter and I've done the hashtag Spence Crawford, or maybe not this week, but last week, whatever. And I've just looked at what people are talking about. I like to do stuff like that. You guys know that. And, you know, there are people looking forward to that fight, and they're really, really excited about the possibility of it happening this year in November, because uh, that's what was reported, right? Which now, like November 19th, can anybody see that happening? That's absolutely not going to happen. And then, uh, you know, the following week, it's Thanksgiving here in America. And I understand globally, that's not a holiday. But here in America, it's a big one. It might be the biggest holiday of the year, actually, because Americans love to eat. America, we love to eat. So, um. Oh, Tiffany just walked by. What? Oh, she says Christmas. I actually think Thanksgiving's the bigger holiday. I think Thanksgiving. She says Christmas is the biggest holiday. Okay, all right. All right. I mean, I, I think globally, yeah, without question. But here in America, Americans love to eat. Anyway, whatever. All I'm saying is, the week after the 19th is Thanksgiving, so, so you can't have it then. You're gonna have to push it till after. Who knows? I just feel like there's so much hot air 
around that fight, people talking about it so much. And the, the reality is nothing is signed. Nothing is official. Every time somebody puts out an article on these mainstream websites, it is to get clicks. Nothing more. And yes, have I talked to people and they've told me, hey, hey, Mike, here's what I've heard. Here's the latest thing I've heard. Here's what's really going. Yes, of course. We all do that. That That's part of the business, right? People leak information. But have I talked to the handful of people that are actually in the negotiations themselves? No, I haven't. And neither have any of these other reporters. They haven't. They'll say, well, according to sources close to the deal. That is code speak for a friend of a friend of a friend. That's honestly what it is. And yeah, there are some agents. There's one particular guy. Uh, he gets leaked information from his agency that shouldn't be happening, but it's kind of a deal they have worked out. And that's how he gets the access he has. I don't know what favors he had to do to get that deal, but he did some favors and he's got that deal. Anyway, he does get leaked some information from somebody that, you know, is somewhat related to, to the information, but they're not in the room having the discussions, right? So all of it's rumors, all of it's conjecture. What I can tell you guys comfortably on the record is what I've been telling you for months. Negotiations are taking place. They're trying to make the fight. It's not as easy to make as they thought it would be. It's not as easy to make as they've been telling you for the last three years, as they made excuse after excuse to avoid the fight. So yeah, am I having a little fun with it on Twitter? And I'm, I'm trolling just a little bit. And I'm doing a day-by-day -day count of how long it's taken. Yeah, I'm having a little fun. And you could call me a hater and all that stuff. I don't really give a shit. You guys know I'm just having fun. And I'd be doing the same damn thing if the negotiations were with some other platform. Uh, last year, and really this year too, all the stuff going on with Tyson Fury and his management, he has like 5,000 people managing him right now, including top rank. Um, I'm having fun and trolling the hell out of that too. But honestly, I've gotten so bored of the Tyson Fury stuff. I've tuned it out. I've just tuned it out. There are channels that I really, really like. There are a handful of uh, boxing, you know, YouTube boxing channels that I actually like that have been putting out video after video of this stuff. And I just, I've been not really paying attention to those channels the last couple of weeks because I don't give a shit. We all know that Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua are not going to fight this year. And look, if they do, I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. Of course, wouldn't be the first time. But if we look at their track record, and I'm not talking about the track record of Anthony Joshua. I honestly believe he would sign on to fight Tyson Fury right now. I really do. But look at the track record of Tyson Fury. Come on, man. You really think he's going to fight again this year? Super chat from Aaron. My man, Aaron, thank you so much. He says, yo, Mike, I don't think Bernard Hopkins was ever on performance-enhancing drugs. I think he was just mentally, physically, spiritually 100% prepared and fit plus a late starter. I think you mean a late bloomer, but yeah, yeah, same same difference, right? Yeah, man, um, you know, <clears throat> I've talked about this on my show before. Um, Bernard Hopkins is one of the most um, disciplined people I've been around, and I've only been around him briefly. It's only been a handful, like at media events and stuff, just kind of being around, you know, some of those golden boy events, just seeing seeing him, the way he conducts himself at pressers, uh, fights, you know, post-fight pressers, fight week pressers, that kind of thing, weigh-ins. 
and then like media lunches and things like that, right? Um, media happy hours, there's all that kind of stuff. There was a lot more of it pre-COVID. There's not as much of it post-COVID, uh, but there was a lot of it pre-COVID um, in LA and it was awesome to be around all that. But, um, you know, there would be people having a drink, having a beer, having a piece of cake. There's always cookies. There's always cheesecake. There's, you know, stuff like that on top of the steak you're getting or whatever it is. I never saw that man grab a sweet. I never saw that man grab a beer. As, as I understand it, dude's never had a drop of alcohol, doesn't eat sweets. Uh, he's just a, an extremely disciplined guy. And um, he outthought his opponents. Was he crafty? Did he have some skills? Absolutely. But he's not a very athletic guy. Bernard Hopkins is not really an athlete. He's just not. You know, if you think about it to use an NFL reference, right? Um, if we're talking about like NFL quarterbacks, Bernard Hopkins would be like Tom Brady. Tom Brady, when he did the combine um, before, he, you know, when he went into the draft, before he went to the league, he wasn't a fast guy, wasn't super strong, didn't have a big arm. And there were other guys that, you know, looked physically like just a more dominant athlete and stuff and were more impressive. But Brady is such a competitor and he outthinks everybody and outworks everybody. And that's what Hopkins did. You got to respect that, man. And the dude still looks like he's on weight and he's like in his fifties right now, maybe, maybe 60 right now. Um, and he still looks like he can make weight. So <clears throat> I, um, I tweeted, I got to answer a couple of these tweets cause I tweeted today uh, just about the show. And I got a couple of questions from a couple of you guys. I want to read these. Um, and then uh, by the way, Ask me anything. If there's anything you guys want to know, ask me in the chat because we have nothing to freaking talk about. Open discussion doesn't even have to be boxing. Seriously. Um, Max Samuel on Twitter. Uh, what's up, Max? He says, um, I can't call because it's past midnight here. He's in the UK. He says, uh, but what chance do you give AJ if they can, or he's not in the UK, he's further over. But anyway, it's, it's past midnight for him. He says, what chance do you give AJ if they can get the big one over the line? He's talking about the Tyson Fury fight. Personally, I'm giving him a big chance in that fight. Max, I completely agree with you. If Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury gets made, Anthony Joshua has a substantially bigger chance of beating Tyson Fury than Deontay Wilder did. For Deontay Wilder to beat Tyson Fury, he had to land the home run. And he actually landed it a couple times. It wasn't quite enough because he couldn't follow it up. He just didn't have any skills in there. He just has a, a big right hand. And actually, the big right hands he landed in the first and third fights were more due to mistakes Fury made being out of shape and getting sloppy and lazy and overconfident in the, in the third fight particularly where he was overconfident um, than, than Wilder really setting it up with science and craft or anything. Um, now, that's not trying to rip on Wilder. I'm just saying it was more of Fury making mistakes, right? Anyway, uh, against Anthony Joshua, you know, Joshua has shown, first of all, Joshua is much stronger in the legs uh, than Wilder. And he's going to be able to tussle a little bit on the inside with Fury. He can also fight on the inside. Wilder can't. Uh, Joshua has shown he has a pretty, a really good right uppercut a rear right uppercut and he, he could get some work done if Fury tries to maul and grapple with him on the inside. Um, and he's like I said, physically stronger in the legs. So Fury won't be able to manhandle him the way he did with Wilder at times. Uh, Wilder's all upper body, right? All shoulders, back arms. That's where all his weight is. And that's great for punching power. Um, and even probably pretty good for stamina as well. It's actually good with, for stamina because legs, big, big legs weaken you and make you tired. But in terms of, uh, you know, muscling around on the inside, Wilder couldn't really get a whole lot done. 
I think Joshua could. I actually think he could. And he's shown that he could fight backing up at times too. So I actually think that's a much more competitive fight in terms of skills and boxing than uh, Fury's fight with Wilder. And Fury's fight with Klitschko, I, I pretty much, you guys know how I feel about that. I, I kind of just put an asterisk over that fight. Um, Bob asked, if you were a hot dog, would you eat yourself? Do hot dogs have mouths? Do they have hands? Do they, how, do I eat, how do I eat myself? Kind of reminds me of a question though I saw on The Simpsons. Um, if Jesus, could Jesus microwave a burrito so hot that he himself could not eat it? Think about it. That will fuck your brain. That'll fuck your brain. All right. And then Mitch just said, I still say Negronis. Hey man, Negronis sound pretty good. My bar is actually in the other room. So uh, yeah, I can't, I can't pour one right here. All right. Um, all right. Let's see. Any questions here? Or we actually got a phone call. Uh, so I might jump to this. Uh, actually, yeah, I think I got a couple of questions here. Let me jump to some of these. Let me jump to a couple of these. We've got a bunch of people here checking in. But guys, make sure you're hitting that like button, all right? Make sure you're hitting that like button, spreading the word. Um, <laughs> Good Stuff 101 says, Crawford is exposing PBC. Yeah, you know, um, I'm not going to go that far, but because it's not Crawford doing anything like genius here. Crawford's just being Crawford, honestly. And there's been a couple videos going around on social media recently. Uh, there was one that went around on Twitter yesterday with Kid Austin. Uh, his name is Fred Schofield. Kid Austin is a young prospect um, out of Texas. I actually saw him fight here in Atlanta once or twice. Uh, really good looking blue chip prospect. But him and his father talking about trying to negotiate with PBC and just how, the, how messed up the contract was and how they wanted no part of it. And there's been some other videos going around. Look, man, it, do, I think PBC is eventually going to get the fight done between Spence and Crawford. But the fact that it has taken this long, um, it really does show. Look, Crawford, you know, he he sued top rank, you know, which that lawsuit's looking dumber and dumber by the day, by the way. But um, I'm sure if you got him alone in the room, and talk to him about the deals that he signed. He would tell you, yeah, it was pretty basic, pretty simple, you know, and everything was pretty upfront and, you know, legally it was good to go. PBC does things very, very differently. And if you talk about it uh, in the media and American media, you get blacklisted, you get blackballed, you get called and labeled all sorts of nasty things. Um, I used to go really hard at PBC when I was first coming up um, in on the beat. And I was like really starting to get a little bit of heat, a little bit of a name for myself. And a little bit of the way I got that name for myself was kind of being boisterous and loud. And, you know, uh, it's not that I was doing that by design. That, that's just my personality. If anything, I've had to really tone that back in recent years as I've matured and kind of grown in the, in, um, the business world, but also just as a human being. Um, but, you know, yeah. Did I go a little too hard at times? Was I a little over the top with some of my, my language and verbiage? Yeah, I was. Okay. But the, the things I was saying was true. And the things that colleagues of mine were saying were true hasn't changed. It, the industry's changed a little bit over the last five, six years. Um, you know, COVID had a big part of it, but streaming's had a bigger part of it. And the global expansion, things like the zone, match room, you know, really, really starting to 
take over as one of the, maybe the biggest promoter globally now, things like that. Um, but yeah, what's going on over there. We've tried to tell you guys, and it's not that I have anything against any particular person or entity over there. Cause I don't. Um, and, and I love some of the PBC fighters. I truly do. And I have put on some great events over the years, but man, there's just a way business is conducted over there. That is not helping the product of American boxing. Um, it's not building a sustainable model with new fans. It's just not And yeah, it, it amazes me how people continue to just blindly defend um, what's going on over there. And, and by the way, I say that and I admit every single promoter is doing screwed up stuff that I disagree with. All the sanctioning bodies, the media platforms, all of it, okay? Um, everybody could do better, including myself. I, I, I could do a lot better. But there's just certain things going on over there that are not helping Toreen says, uh, Al trying to apply the May pack formula to Spence Crawford, but neither of these fighters are Floyd or Manny. That's exactly right. And you know, it, it, what they're trying to do with May pack, May pack was just like on steroids, but it's the same thing. And, and again, I'll go back to Dana White's statement. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said every single boxing match. Now, <clears throat> every single big fight in boxing is like the going out of business sale. That's the way it's conducted. It's not, it's not conducted where there's a build there. It is done where it's the last big event. So don't miss it, you know, because it's the last big show. And with Spence Crawford, you know, this should be promoted as a three fight deal. This should be promoted as a series. These guys should have one or two fights at 147. They should have their last fight at 154. They should have already fought, you know, um, but that's just not the way business is being conducted right now. Good stuff also adds uh, what happened to all that side of the street talk. Crawford pulled PBC card. He's playing chess. Look, Crawford apparently has had to take less money to fight Spence. Um, he's having to really acquiesce to a lot of things and let Spence be the A side in every single way. So um, he's basically setting himself up to be the Kovalev to Spence's ward, the Golovkin to Spence's Canelo. If you know where I'm going with that, this thing goes to the cards. Crawford's not going to get any favors in, in Nevada. I'm just saying, but um, I guess he's trying to negotiate his best possible terms and, and look, maybe he'll end up getting a little bit more money doing it this way than going with top rank. Maybe so. We shall see. <clears throat> All right. Uh, what else we got here? <laughs> Timmy Turner says, fuck the welterweight division. I hear you, man. By the way, I coined that term in that, that article I wrote like three years ago in Ring. Um Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, if someone's used that before, but to mine, I was really proud of that title because I was like, this is clever. It's just like I called uh, the Canelo situation with Clembuterol a red herring, right? And, and, I saw, and you see people use that damn term, and, and, you know, and they'll use it like in their article or their, and I'm just like, you little bastard. I, I, at least give me a fucking shout out if you're going to use that shit. <clears throat> All right. Trent Nampereel asks, what new platforms are you looking for uh, for the podcast? So um, I'm working on something to where the podcast will eventually go to a new platform. 
Um, but it's going to take a series of months to get there because the infrastructure of that platform is still being built. At least the part of it where the podcast would wind up. Um, but there are the platform I'm thinking about moving to, um, there will be, it's multi-layered and multifaceted and completely independently owned. They don't play politics. They just do boxing. Um, and I like some of the people working over there. So the podcast will stay with me for a while, but my goal is next year to transition to uh, the, the show to a new platform. I will be doing things for the new platform before the show moves over. I'll be doing some media work and some reporting and stuff like that. So I can't speak about it too much right now, um, but some of you guys are clever. I think some of you guys out there may have already figured it out or starting to, but um, I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. <clears throat> That's all I'm going to say. All I'm going to say. X8 says, Mike, back to Hayden and Fury never beat the 10 count. Oh, God, you guys. I, I hope you're trolling, bro. I hope you're trolled. If you're not, man, uh, I could spend 30 minutes beating that up. But I think you're trolling. So uh, Aaron says, uh, I'm hoping Mike goes to Rumble so I can disable my YouTube account. Hey, you know, um, I might explore that, too. I need to look at Rumble. I've heard because Rumble is a brand new platform. It just went um, public, right? They just went public on the New York Stock Exchange. So I might check them out. The only thing is right now, they do not have anywhere near the the, the size, the scope that YouTube has. And YouTube is where I have developed a bit of a following. It's not quite the following I have on Twitter, but I have developed a following here. So yeah, at some point I might jump ship or whatever with that. But right now everything is on like my social. Um, this show itself might jump to an app or something like that in the future. That's all I'm going to say. <clears throat> all right. Am I missing anything? For those of you listening to the audio, I'm just scrolling through here. Trent says, uh, Bohachuk, Hollywood card looks good. Callum Walsh is the coming event. Yeah, man. Sergei Bohachuk, cool guy, uh, fun, exciting fighter. And I think he's still learning and developing. So I'm always going to watch him fight. We've had him on before, so maybe we'll get him back on. Uh, Roe knows with a good question. He says, uh, Mike, have you decided on your Ben Eubank prediction? Where do you think Fondora goes next since Charlo and Zoo are off the table? I would love to see him fight Spence after he moves up. Interesting. Um, as far as Ben and Eubank, I mean, you got to kind of favor Eubank, right, just because of the size. But I – I really can't make a call on that until I see the weigh-in. I'm not a weigh-in, bro, but that is one fight where the weigh-in will matter. I want to see the weigh-in. Uh, as far as Fundora goes, funny you mentioned that. I actually talked to him while I was in Detroit. Got video of it. I will be posting that on my channel this weekend. So look out for that, guys. And I talked to Fundora about Charlo, Zoo, Ocampo. Uh, I even talked to him about Canelo Golovkin and uh, the, the lady fights coming up on 1015. So uh, look for that. But um, listen, he said he's just going to stay busy. He said that he will fight around the same time those two fights early next year. He's not going to sit on his butt. He said he will keep fighting and staying busy while those two sort their business. For the record, um, he says he wants to fight both of them, no matter what. He says he wants to fight both of them. It was pretty cool. Okay, we got a super chat. 
Super chat from Papa Chubby. What's up, Chad? Appreciate it, man. He says, does Wilder ever get into the Hall of Fame? Does he deserve to? Great question. Uh, I see this question coming around a lot. And um, listen, I would not vote for Wilder right now. Somebody actually asked uh, today, too, on Twitter, what, is Anthony Joshua Hall of Fame worthy right now? I'd say no. I would say no to Tyson Fury, honestly. I, I just... Tyson Fury's resume is very weak. He's got some good wins, but he's, his resume is weak, dude. Now, if he comes back and beats Usyk, beats Joshua, then retires, he's a freaking lock. And look, I, if Tyson Fury retired tomorrow, he'd probably get in. But I just think there's some major holes in his resume. Anthony Joshua's close, but no, he's not there. And Wilder, his resume is crap. But let me tell you something. First ballot. If Wilder's on there, he's going to get in. And he's going to get in because the BWAA writers are compromised. They're compromised, a lot of them. And the guy who runs it right now is compromised. He's a, he's a PBC guy. So Wilder would get in first ballot. I guarantee you right now. If Wilder, Joshua, and Fury were all on the ballot right now, it would take Fury off. If Wilder and Joshua were on the ballot tomorrow, Wilder gets in before Joshua. It's messed up. It's not right, but he would. He would. He absolutely would. And it'd be 100% politics. Let's see. Eh, going down. Going down. Oh, we got another one. A super chat from Ray Valero. Thank you so much, Ray. Appreciate it. He says, I don't trust Spence Crawford talks until they're both in the ring, caring less and less for this fight. It's getting old. I hear you, man. And part of this is. Um, the way fights are hyped up a little bit in the modern era. And again, I don't like the way that's done, but PBC, I've been told this by people close to the situation. This is kind of how they like to build up fights. It's, it's kind of how they like to um, build up hype. They do it on social media with the YouTube channels, the Twitter chatter, all that people basically bitching. Not just bitching, but talking about how the fight would go and, and the negotiation. You know, today Errol Spence took a shit. What does this mean about fight negotiations? Well, Errol Spence, or I'm sorry, Terrence Crawford, uh, he's a little constipated this morning. What does that mean, right? And they break it all down. All that stuff, the promotion kind of looks at as um, media space. It's, it's bandwidth being used, talking about the fight. So they kind of look at it as promotion and hype. So that when the fight's finally signed in the 13th hour, all the people that were like bitching about it go, oh, fuck, it's finally here. Yes. Right. And they they almost, they try to find that threshold of where it's like, you're almost ready to like pull the plug. Like, like you're right there. You're, the plug is halfway out <laughs> of the socket and then they announce it. Um, and if you look at the history of how they've done business and conducted it, you know, in recent years with their big fights, it's exactly how they've done it. Now, other promoters don't do that. They like to announce it four or five months ahead of time and promote the shit out of the show. If you look, that's how Matchroom tends to do business, how Top Rank tends to do business. Um, so it's just a different philosophy, I guess, for, for promotion. Um, but you could guess which one I like better you know, and which one I think is more productive and has a, more of a build and is generally more positive for the industry. Um, but that's just the way they like to do business. And 
One of the things too that uh, aggravates me about PBC is just all the secrecy. They'll, their fighters will go all over YouTube channels and say all kinds of crazy shit. But when it comes to actual details of fight negotiations, that is completely left in the dark, including drug testing. And VADA will be contracted at times to do drug testing for like, like Errol Spence. I, I know a couple of his recent fights, they've, they've done drug testing, but they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement where they can't, it's not that they can't report a positive result because of course they're going to do that. Although they don't report to the media, VADA reports to the promotion, but they can't even report details because VADA likes to post um, details on their website of, Hey, welcome fighter X and fighter Y for, uh, you know, joining the program. And, uh, you know, on this date, starting on this date for your new next fight. And then after the fight, they'll, they'll post something on social congratulations, fighter X, fighter Y for, um, you know, uh, successfully testing in the program and, and being clean, you know, support clean sport. They like to do that. Vada likes to, you know, show off when, when people do their program, but PBC won't let them. They're not even allowed to like post who's doing the program or not if in a PBC fight. So there's all this secrecy in the way they do things. And as a media guy, obviously, I think that's not cool. It's it, There should be transparency. And why I'm so upset or why I, I shouldn't say upset, why I'm frustrated and annoyed at times with a lot of my American uh, media colleagues is they don't call that none of that shit out. They just kind of go along with it. And they never call it out because they're in bed with that promotion. There, there's a, a really, really concerning relationship between certain media members and that promotion and certain media organizations and entities in that promotion. And again, it's not to say that other promotions don't have their buddies and media and stuff like that, because they do. Same thing with the sanctioning organizations. What do I say all the time about the WBO? It's it's Bob Arum's organization. We're Bob's organization, right? So, so like, I, I get that. And there are guys, particularly in the UK media, that are, you know, Eddie Hearn's bitches. <laughs> you know, I, I see you guys over there tweeting about that stuff. So I, I get it, okay? I'm just calling out the stuff I see here. Michael Mendiolo with an interesting comment here. He says, uh, PBC is basically a reincarnation of Goose and Promotions. After Dan died, Tom Brown basically took over and renamed it TGB. Yeah, you know, the thing is, Mike, um, so, so PBC technically isn't a promoter, right? So they have to use promoters to actually technically promote the fight. They used to have it where like Lou DiBella did all their East Coast fights and Tom Brown would do all the West Coast fights. Then they beef with Lou DiBella. And if you notice, Lou's split with PBC kind of coincided right around when he negotiated a hundred plus million dollar deal for Wilder to fight over on the zone to fight Joshua twice in Wilder, Shelly Finkel, I should say. And the PBC guys basically forced Wilder to turn it down. And then the relationship suffered there and Lou was kind of pushed out. So now TGB pretty much does it all coast to coast. They're basically the promoter for PBC. Um, it's an interesting setup. <clears throat> Mendiola also adds, Mike, last week you mentioned Andre Ward not being what he portrays himself as. You forgot to mention Ward sued a dying man, Dan Goosen. Now, I think uh, it was mentioned in the chat 
Um, and, you know, I've talked about it before uh, again, and there, there's other stuff I could talk about. Again, people talk in this business. I just, I'm not one of those guys that's going to like, you know, write some exclusive and put it out there for clicks. Uh, but yeah, there's things about the guy that there's a little bit of, you know, the holier than thou act. Eh, it's um, look, he's a, he's a great father. He's a great father. And he's always done what's best for his kids. <clears throat> All right. Ahmed says, uh, Mike, what happened with ring magazine? Any news on the three knockdown rule podcast? What about ring magazine? Ring magazine still running as far as I know. Um, as far as me not having a show on ring magazines platform right now, I've already told you guys about what's up with that. I'm, probably going to be moving to a new platform. I've been offered a couple of different positions and I've been exploring that. Also, my wife is uh, due to give birth in a few weeks. And um, so I can't really be writing articles and stories and all that kind of stuff right now. I got to kind of pull back and um, I'm kind of making a, a, a career change or not a career change, but a, a job change, if you will. Um, so I'm going to pull back until I figure out what I want to do. That's all. Oh, is there some rumor going around? I love these rumors. <sighs> Red Pill, or I'm sorry, The Real Phil Jones says, Mike, you lined up Michael Hunter as a guest a few weeks ago, but it didn't happen. Is he likely to come on for his fight with Huey Fury in a few weeks? It was actually uh, probably a few months ago. It was earlier in the year. Man, I tried to get Michael Hunter on several times. And one of his guys in his camp, that's who I was working through. And that guy let me down. I swear it was two or three times. And that guy's hit me back a few times since. And I've just been like, I've just ignored him. Cause I'm like, dude, you're full of shit. Every time you say that you're available and you can work, what would happen is dude would line up Michael to be on the show. And I'd find out, you know, he, you know, I'd be like, what the hell dude, you know, Michael didn't call in what's going on. And the guy would say, oh, sorry, he's flying right now. He's in a plane. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I told you this day, this time. And it happened like several times. And I'm like, so yeah, maybe I'll just reach out to Michael Hunter directly and try to set it up. Because the guy I was working through it was not on it. Uh, Toreen asks, how are you and Miss Montero doing? Um, we're doing good, man. We, um, we actually uh, went to the doctor today for Tiffany's 36-week checkup and now i guess she goes pretty much every week until the baby's here so um we just got like all the measurements you know they they did the ultrasound to weigh the baby it, it's an estimate but then they just measured everything you know and made sure that everything is where it should be and there's a score of like one to eight baby scored an eight so we're good to go man we're good to go and now it's just figuring out what's the best thing to do because um it's a possibility that, that my wife might have to get a C-section because the baby's big. <laughs> uh, even though it's, it's a girl, but she's, she's measuring kind of big. Well, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot four. So um, the baby is 50% my DNA. So there's a chance now we, we're not hundred percent decided, but it might be easier for her to just do the C-section they're saying because of uh, the, the baby's size and, and things like that. So that's what we're trying to figure out. So that's the only breaking news with that one. Uh, the fight doctor says, Raphael is an idiot of the first order. 
Hey man, you said that, not me. <laughs> you said that, not me. Uh, let's see here. Mindyola says, I know people personally who work for PBC. They do some good things and some bad things, but so does top rank. ESPN is the worst in some regards. Aram is all over the place. At least Tom Brown keeps quiet. Absolutely, Michael. Absolutely, 100% agree. And for what it's worth, Tom Brown seems to be a stand-up, really good guy. I've never had an issue with him. And um, anytime I need like one of his, one of the fighters for an interview or something, boom, no problem. I could call Tom right now. I'd pick up the phone. We could chat. We've talked on the phone several times. Uh, he's just a super cool guy. Never had an issue with him. So like, that's the thing. And ESPN as a network is a complete joke, a complete fucking joke. Okay. They don't even do sports reporting anymore. It's just woke MS ESPN. Like seriously, it's terrible. Um, but I, I want to make it very, very clear when I criticize PBC, I'm criticizing some of the way they do business. And it's really some of the folks at the very, very top. And again, I don't have anything against them personally as human beings. I've actually met Al Heyman once. It was for like 30, I was going to say 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds. It was very, very brief. I met him before a PBC show. Um, I can't remember which one, but it was right when PBC became PBC. And it was in a locker room. Um, he was back there, some of the fighters, and I was back there talking to some guys. And I actually got to, got to meet him really, really briefly. Couldn't have been nicer. So, so like everybody I've been over, Tim Smith has always been super nice to me. Uh, I've, I've just I've never had an issue with anybody. Um, it's really their media lackeys and some of the underlings and some of the behind the camera people and stuff um, that are just kind of nasty but as you mentioned that exists in every damn corner that exists in every corner of the boxing universe okay wow lionel with an interesting question he says uh, is the war in ukraine an excuse for companies to increase prices everywhere i think that's a little bit too far of a reach i think the um th there's several factors it, look the, the Inflation going out of control, it's not the same in every market. Here in America, it's it's on our leadership, our, our leadership in this country right now. <clears throat> Torian Fox says, October 19th, birthday for baby Montero. I'm calling it market down, LOL. Well, we were given a date today of when the C-section would be, uh, if we did it that way. And again, it's like, it's probable, but not 100%. Right, we haven't decided on all that stuff yet, but you're a little early, but you're not far off, brother. You're pretty close, you're not far off, you're just a little early on that. All right, um, let's jump to the phones, shall we? Take a quick call here. Let's go to 732. You're on the show. What's up? What up, Mike? Last time I was at Tech, you was the Monday of Canelo Triple G fight week, so it's oh, been man. a lot. I'm gonna talk about that. All right, so that fight, I thought. I kind of grade, graded that with a curve because of how good the first two was. If that was like either the second or first fight, I said, like, what the fuck is this? Now, maybe, right. I don't know, but no, now I agree. The event was awesome. That was just amazing. That atmosphere was amazing. I really wish I went out there, but then again, I think my bank account was happy I did. 
So yeah, I had a couple friends over. I mean, they did who watched the first and second fight, which they didn't care that much. We were just hanging out. We had the cards on the whole time during the whole undercard. I heard that the zone broadcast because I was watching with the barstool people. The barstool, I watched it both ways. I watched the barstool people and the regular people. How the fuck are the barstool people who don't hide their uh, friendship with Canelo more objective than the motherfuckers who are supposed to be objective? Like, that shit doesn't make sense to me. That's one. Like, and two, I mean, with this fight with Crawford and Spence, I don't, what the fuck is going on here with Al Heyman? I think Spence and Crawford both want I don't think it's, both, I think it's. I don't think it's a fighter. I think both guys want to think this fucking guy Al Heyman. Like, I think he's got to get out of boxing. I'm fucking pissed with this shit. I don't know about you, but whatever it is, get him the fuck out of boxing. <laughs> as far as barstool, let me just say this: um, David Portnoy is a nice guy, but he's a bit of a. I don't know what the right word is, man. Um, Nutcase. Kind of a bullshit artist. Yeah, he's kind of running like a he has like a gimmick and like a thing he does. They're not a media organization. They're man. rough and rowdy. I know. He's kind of like a professional I rough, troll. I rough and rowdy. Yeah, yeah. Oh it's, no, no, it's, no, no, you know what I'm saying. So like, if, so whoever is the most popular boxer, that's who they're going to be friends with. <laughs> that just happens to be Canelo. If the most popular boxer in the world right now was Ryan Garcia, that's who they'd be cool with. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that's just that's just what they're like. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there, but the guy Lars, who actually does know what he's talking about, he went to Canelo's gym. He put uh, Canelo's people made him put the body pack. Oh, that old gag. Because that, 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 that hasn't been done a thousand times. <clears throat> I've never done it, and I choose. Not, I would prefer not to. Although, I'm, I mean, that's kind of funny. But on a serious note, though, like. They keep talking on November 19th. Like, you need time to promote this shit. Yeah, like, happening, Spence bro. and Crawford are not just like, like, it's not happening November 19th. That's what Coppinger, for whatever, uh, the guy, the guy has been acting around, he was, he had Canelo B-ball 10 days before Hearn and Canelo announced it. So, and everybody was giving him shit then. And then he had the fight. So to be fair, he has been correct. But I think he's, was it, he jumped the gun with the, the information he was given two weeks ago, which I thought they were going to announce it during the. Yo, you still there? You just broke up, man. Yo, five, four, three. Okay, all right. Stephen A. Smith brought up. Okay. Uh, during Mayweather McGregor fight week, Stephen A. Smith brought up to Errol Spence Jr. about fighting Terrence Crawford. So it's been out there. I was 17. Actually, shit, I was 16 at that time, turning 17 later in the year. I'm turning 22 next week. What the fuck are we doing here? Like, <laughs> maybe... This is ridiculous. I mean, like, it should not take this. four years, because that's when Bud entered the division, let's be fair. Yeah. 2018, he entered the division. And then, you want to use the COVID and injuries? Okay, whatever. Could have happened 2019, instead of fighting Mikey Garcia. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I don't get That's the these, thing, bro. It, it, <laughs> let me just say this. Um, and again, I, I, I push back on my colleagues, specifically in the American fight press. If Spence is fighting top guys, like when he fought um, Porter and guys like that, th those are good fights, okay? But, you know, there were some guys that he fought in between. Like you mentioned Mikey Garcia, who, who's a lightweight, and some other fighters where I'm like, 
how are you justifying this? How is this okay? You know, like he should be fighting Terrence Crawford. And um, there's just been no pushback. Like, and I think that's why certain promotions perform or act the way that they do because they're, they can, people allow them to do it. It's, I mean, but to be fair, the Danny Garcia situation, off an accident, you're not going to get Terrence Crawford. But we have to be realistic in that regard. I expect The fact that he did take Danny Garcia, I have to give him respect on. And same with Ugas after a 17 month. We have to give him respect there. Whether we like the opponent or not, like, I think Ugas is all, was a tough fight. Yeah. Same with, and Garcia, I still think. So I don't think he want, he's scared because if he's willing to fight tough opponents after potential career ending injuries with one of them he could have lost his life literally could have lost his life I don't, I don't think he's scared I think it's Al Heyman who is bullshitting and bull jiving around as Shannon Sharp likes to say like a bull jive around but I hope this fight gets made if I'm wrong damn it I will be so happy to be wrong so there are very few instances where I'm wrong and I'll be happy about it this will be one of them I hear you like I mean, what else? Same thing with like these guys, Benavidez, and all these guys waiting around. Canelo's not fighting until May at the earliest. Yep. Maybe fight each other. It looks like when Canelo was, uh, wanted to fight Mayweather in 2013, he didn't have a name on his resume. You know, he had the fan base. He didn't have a name on his resume. Mayweather did not fight him until he fought Trout, which was a legit name at that time. But if, if Benavidez fights Plant or Charlo, I'll be the first person to say, Canelo, now you got to fight this man. Fight him now. Right. Simple as that. Right. Fight somebody, you get the recognition, and you'll make more money because you're staying in people's face. Look at Boots Ennis. He took, he did two minutes or two rounds this year, and he's not fought yet. And he fought seven rounds last year. Like inactivity when you're a prospect, you should not be this enough. Like, I get agree. Virgil Ortiz because. But again, brother, like, I gotta Ortiz say, yeah, with with Jerome Boots Ennis, had he signed with top rank? He would have fought four times this year. Yeah, are you still there? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mike. You keep I'm dropping, bro. <laughs> Your phone is shit. Sorry, no. Signal. Signal is horrible. Yeah. I'm cutting so much. That's why. Well, I'll, I won't keep you long. I'm going to head to the gym anyway. won't keep you long. But thank you for taking my call. And good luck with uh, being a father. Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate that, man. Have a good weekend. All right. Uh, I got some good chats here. Before I get to the next one, we got Thad on deck, so we'll get Thad next. But um, let's see. <laughs> you guys are bashing the phone call, <laughs> or the phone quality, I should say. Uh, Mindiola says, uh, who's the worst announcer per network? Here's mine. Uh, and he lists, well, Bradley at ESPN. Mannix at the zone and Bernstein at uh, Showtime. Yeah, look, man, I'm not going to comment on any specific um, uh, announcer or anything like because because I basically look at those guys as colleagues, right? Because I do some commentary, not anywhere near the level that they do. Obviously, uh, do I think I could do better than all of them? Yeah, <laughs> um, I already do better interviews than a lot of these guys. Uh, if you guys look at when I when I interview a fighter. Um, look at how more comfortable they are talking to me than some of these other interviews you see. So, uh, yeah, but I am, so I, while I'm confident that I can compete with a lot of these guys, and I'm already better than most of them. Um, you know, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to call anyone out. But if you guys want to, go for it. Uh, BTM with a comment here says, you got much potential, drop the politics and woke complaining, and you can build a wide audience. Look, dude, if you listen to my show or follow me on Twitter or whatever, 90 plus percent of what I talk about is boxing related, has nothing to do with woke or whatever. But I'm not a fan of woke. I'm not. And I'm a human being and I'm allowed to comment on it. And sometimes it is relevant to the discussion we're having as it relates to media, because the media space is dominated by who? Yeah, you guessed it. So, um, so, and I've been a victim. You, you, you understand, dude, like I, I get pounded on daily. You guys see some of it sometimes. You guys see a little bit of attacks here and there. But, I mean, I, I deal with the nonsense from these just lunatics, and I ignore it. I, You know, I, I brush it off my shoulder or whatever. It actually bothers my family members and friends and stuff, and, and, and a lot of you guys out there a lot more than me. But all I do sometimes is comment on it. You know, it's not like I do shows dedicated to, like, politics and or talking about the president or anything like that. Like, I really don't. I really don't. As far as building a wide audience, look, man, a lot of that is predicated upon um, doing favors, having a box to check or maybe multiple boxes to check, which I don't, um, and being willing to kind of sell out and and use these services that uh, give you – there's people on YouTube that have fake subscribers. A ton of the accounts on Twitter are bots. You know, look at Instagram. I, I'm sure you guys get messages on Instagram from people. We can get you followers. Just pay us a hundred bucks. Like, I don't do any of that shit. I don't play none of them games. I don't kiss nobody's ass. I tell the truth. I'm completely independent, homie. And I'm never going to have a wide audience in terms of having like hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Not going to happen for a guy like me. It's just not the way I do things. Um, you kind of got to be the way these other guys are to do that. Uh, and also let me add this dude. There are channels out there, channels that get access to certain platforms um, that have, that, that are way political, bro, way political. And um, those guys get chances and those guys get to talk about certain things that I'm not allowed to touch. There's a lot of double standards and shit out there. It's, it's not cool. That's why I talk sometimes about the woke shit, but dude, it's not like I harp on it constantly. You can't say that. <clears throat> James Hunt said, um, PBC had nothing to announce, so they fed that BS to Coppinger. Well, could be. I don't know. I'm not going to comment on it. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, some of you guys talking about Chris Mannix and talking about more Ronaldo, Al Bernstein. I will say this. Um, you know, Al Bernstein is a really – um, experienced commentator, one of the best blow-by-blow -blow guys. You know, um, I like Bernardo Asuna. I like Todd Grisham. I think he does a good job um, when he stays in his lane. And uh, there's a few guys I really, really like. I, I've always thought Pauli Malignaggi was great. I know some people don't like his politics, but if you remove politics from it and just look at his commentary, he's really, really spot on. I think when Andre Ward leaves himself out of it, he usually does a good job, but sometimes his his biases get the best of him. Um, so I don't know. Everyone's kind of got their style and their biases and stuff like that. But, you know, there used to be 
two shows in town. I always talk about this. There used to be HBO and Showtime. And because of that, you got the absolute best of the best doing commentary. Now there's a lot of different platforms, but also a lot of the people getting hired, they're not necessarily getting hired because they're really, really good or knowledgeable at their job. They're getting hired because of either who they know, sometimes who they blow. Trust me, I know I got stories. I know plenty of stories I could tell you. I could write a fucking book. Um, and uh, sorry, sorry to uh, Mr. Woke guy. Um, it's, it's a box you check. Some, sometimes you check the right box and, you know, there, there's, they're trying to hire, they're trying to be inclusive and diverse in their casting. And to me, I'm like being inclusive and diverse in your casting is hiring people with different worldviews. Who gives a shit what background they come from? Um, if you want get diverse opinions, get diverse worldviews, that's the best way to get true diversity on your panel. Anyway. I won't go down that road anymore. All right. Uh, Deed with the super chat. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate it. Doesn't have a comment. Just chimed in. If you do have a comment, just drop it, dude. I know sometimes the thing just posts before you can say your comment. Anyway, uh, let's jump over here to Thad. Let's see what he's got to say. Mr. Thad, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Yeah, Mike. Uh, I was just surfing around and I saw the, your new domain and um, where you're going to take your show. and. And I'll just break the news to everybody. It's Mike Montero at OnlyFans.com. <laughs> Only twenty nine ninety five. At this point, I might as well, man. I might as well. <laughs> yeah, you know, then you can talk about whatever. Nobody breathing down your back, but yeah. it is what it is. Or if, they, if someone's breathing but, down uh, my back, you, I could charge for that, you know? Charge extra. Yeah, that's OnlyFans for you. <laughs> but um, with with uh, in regards to the, the, the one uh, chatter that, talked about uh, wokeness or whatever let me just say this it's in the news every day especially with boxing okay and i'm gonna give you an example clarissa shields just made a remark a couple days ago about canelo she accused him of racism she's because he's not fighting black fight yeah yeah Yeah, i know right she's yeah al sharpton should be her new nickname yeah well anyway um so again that's that goes in line with the woke culture and it's boxing related it's nonsensical yes but it's a problem because now it's funny because it's hypocritical number one if you look at her title reign everybody she's fought has been a white champion there's three three people she fought that were champions and they're all white now not one woman of color did she fight to win a belt i think she only has one on her entire resume yet she could chastise canelo okay when the champions that were available for Canelo to fight were all white guys, right. pretty much, or you know, or, uh, or or of that designation. Thad, let me ask so, you this again. Sorry to cut you yeah. off, man, but that argument because I because I know. Um, so, so for those of you guys who, who don't know, Clarissa kind of made some comments that Canelo doesn't fight black fighters, and there's several uh, people in media that have said this kind of stuff before. I just I find it really, really annoying and quite frankly ignorant for people to assume that in the division, the best fighters automatically have to be non-Hispanic black American fighters as if we're still living in the 1970s. If you look at the ratings yeah. in certain divisions, yes, that's the case. If you look at like 147, the majority of the top fighters are black American, non-Hispanic fighters. But if you go in other divisions, 
it might be mostly Mexican fighters or mostly um, Asian fighters from Japan or different parts of Thailand. It might be fighters from the UK, Europe, Eastern Europe. It's all over the place. So to, to like naturally right. jump to, oh, you got to fight this group of people or you're not <laughs> legit. That's so stupid. It's so ignorant. It's actually racist. It's literally racist. And it's such an outdated way of thinking if you just look at the fucking pound for pound list right now or something, you know, anyway, that sorry, I had to throw that in. That's it. That's it right there. I mean, if she, I think she's living in 1980 again when Larry Holmes was heavyweight champion and Spring magazine would have, you know, pretty much that distinction. All those divisions were dominated by, by certain classes of people and from certain areas because the, um, the Soviet union was still intact and um, more than 80%, 60% of the world, I think was communist and they weren't, allowing their athletes to fight pro. So this is the lack of knowledge, lack of IQ, lack of history, and just ignorance. And yet, you know, when people talk about it, when it's real news, you, you say, oh, well, it's woke. You're, you're, you're talking about woke things and, and making fun of it. No, that's not it. It's news because people put people like us in a situation where it has to be talked about. Believe me, I'd rather be doing something else than talking about Clarissa Thank you. Shields. I'd rather be but breaking down. I'd rather be breaking down the Spence versus Crawford fight, but it's not fucking signed. So, what do you want me to talk about, people? Right. Jesus. And that's the, and that's the only reason why I brought it to the forefront because you know, I, I will say it has a connection to the fight itself because in, in a month, you know, she's going to be well, no less than a month, two weeks, she's gonna be fighting a woman who's who's looking to knock her block off and getting into her head. And I I thought. Shields has every advantage with the speed and footwork to beat this girl, but her mind, her mindset, and I said this before, is weak. And um, this Marshall girl is going to get into her head, and all she has to do is utter a few uh, key phrases that's going to trigger Shields, and she's going to go off, and she's going to lose her mind and, and maybe get knocked out, because that's the only way, you know, I could see it's either going to be a decision or a knockout, you know, one way or the other. So, that's how you that's how you beat people like Clarissa Shields. You get into their head and you let them defeat themselves. So we're gonna see on the fifteenth. I was curious what uh Sebastian Fondora thought about those fights because he's an educated guy. Um I know you said you were talking to him, so I I'm I'm guessing he probably he's probably going with the favorites, Mayor and uh Shields, but you know, they're very close fights. Yeah, he uh he actually um, told me that he sees both as fifty fifty fights. That's what he told me. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, Mayor's a little bit higher. She's about two and a half to one odds, and uh, she knows it's, it's a 50-50 fight. But we spoke on this before. I think Mayor, you know, outboxes her, mm -hmm. and uh, and then with with Shields, it goes either way. With if if I'll know the night before, <laughs> if Clarissa Shields going off like like a banshee, then she she's, she could probably get herself knocked out in this fight. Mm -hmm. But but if she stays calm, and I was actually going to compliment her for being quiet. If, if Clarissa Shields quiet, then yeah, she, it, that's great for her. But now she's, you know, clamoring on about Canelo and racism and all this where it's not. Yeah. That, that sets in. So, uh, let me, let me just flip over here. When you said you were interviewing Mike Hunter, maybe, you know, if he screwed you over with the times or whatever, you know, what, just move on here. Here's a guy I'd like you to interview Zach Parker over in the UK, because I want you to ask him point blank. For the last year, he's been dicked around by Demetrius Andrade, okay? He had a fight purse of over a million dollars that was to be divided up 70-30. Andrade pulled out with a fake-ass shoulder injury, okay? Left him hanging, and then 
they came back and they bid on the fight again for 300,000, which was a, a, a pittance. And he was going to be now fighting for a lot less money. So Andrade pulls out again. Okay. Leaves him hanging. So this is a man who for the entire year, his, his living is boxing. I don't know if he's painting walls or, you know, doing accounting on the side, but if he, if he's a full-time fighter, he should sue the pants off Demetrius Andrade and his father who manages him. I want I want, I would love for you to ask him, how is he handling this situation? Is he going to go that route or he's just going to take it on the chin? Cause he was completely disrespected and nobody's talking about Zach Parker. They're talking about Andrade on where his career is going, which is going down the toilet where it's always been. Okay. Cause the guy has no balls and his father's an idiot. His father's a, High school, what is he, a dropout or something? And he's managing his son's career. And this is exactly why you need an education to manage people. Okay? That's why you stay in school. So uh, I'd like to get your feedback on that. (laughs) Uh, Stay in school, kids. Um, Look, man, I I actually tweeted this earlier this – I think it was this week. I said, um, you know, I really – wanted to like Demetrius Andre because he's such a crazy kind of personality and he added color to the to the 160 division and it would be interesting to see him in fights but this guy has shot himself in the dick so many times with the decisions he has made and with the Billy Joe Saunders thing that was on Billy Joe Saunders that was not on Andre but Andre had a chance to fight right. Charlo years ago he fucked that up um, yeah. Fighting Janabek wouldn't have been a big money fight for him, but it would have been kind of a way to, I guess, prove himself to the diehard fans and kind of re ingratiate himself. 100%. Right. Um, if he thinks that just moving up to 168, he's going to get a fight with Canelo, he is crazy. Canelo isn't going anywhere near him. <laughs> it's not happening. And Canelo told him to his face, You're a horrible fighter. Get the hell out of here, you know? And, uh, he uh, he's so fixated with this entitlement that he believes he is going to be fighting Canelo where he, he he's fought as many champions as I fought. Okay. <laughs> That's the truth. So the fact is it's his own fault. And his father who managed his career has pulled him out of the, the Devrianchenko fights, the Lara fight. They fought uh, Jacques Colquet instead of Lara. Um, it goes on and on. I mean, this is just, you know, the icing of, on the cake with Zach Parker and Zach Parker, the poor guy, this guy, he was, his career was, was, uh, coming to a crescendo. Yeah. This guy, you know, I've heard he has a lot of power. This guy hits hard. And I, I was going to bet on him. I, I thought he was going to knock out Andrade just like I thought John Abeck would have, but I think in different ways. So again, as the fans were screwed because this fight's not going to happen. And uh, it, it sets a bad precedent. And this has been set through Mayweather, through Andre Ward, and through now. You see the entitlement complex where fighters are not putting themselves at any risk to, to fight the top guys. And they just want to preserve an undefeated record, which, which is meaningless, except for when Mayweather utilized it to con people into buying pay-per-views. So this, this Mayweather phenomena, is, it doesn't exist. That was a one-time deal. Okay. Mayweather was on dancing with the stars. He was with the WWE, you know, it was publicized. He was more of a uh, cartoon character than fighter. Okay. But that's not the case with 99.9% of these guys. You saw what Andre Ward, nobody cared about Andre Ward. They try to make him the new Mayweather. I think they tried to make Deontay Wilder the new Mayweather too. And that backfired. It, It is what it is. 
people got to fight fights. They got to fight the best. And they think, well, we could do what Mayweather did. No, you can't. Right. You see what Usyk is doing. You see, you see some of these guys like Bivol and Baturbia, they're fighting the best and they're being rewarded. Unfortunately, you know, we're the COVID derailed a lot of those plans for unification, but, but here we are now. And we're going to see Devin Haney, in my opinion, run to 140 and not fight Lomachenko and claim I was the best lightweight. No, you're not. No, you're not. Cambosos is not the best lightweight. But this is the attitude these guys have. And who's, and who's at, at, at the end of the day paying the price? Us, the boxing fans. Okay, and we're sitting here taking it and not saying, no, screw you too. You know, we're gonna, I'm going to watch uh, tennis, which I have been lately. It's great. One-on-one, I mean, there's a lot of geometry involved. It's a great sport. Hey, you're replaceable. Don't think you're not. There's other entertainment out there. You know, people could just take up knitting for, for all they care. <laughs> These people think they're very, they, they think they're too important, Mike. And they think they can get away with this crap. Well, some of them live and, in a and bubble. It's Look where, That's what happens when you live in a bubble. When, when you... When you stay in your own little space with people who think and, and act just the way you do or people that kiss your ass or whatever it is, then you kind of you're disillusioned with the rest of the world, you know, and there's a lot of people doing that. So delusional. And and again, um, to end, end on this, uh, with Joe Joyce, I said a couple years ago on your show, he reminded me of an older version of George Foreman, the 1990 version. Now everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Everybody's late on the bandwagon. You know, we saw what he did to Parker. All right. This guy's the real deal. And for people saying Wilder, this, Wilder, that, Wilder's not even a top 10 heavyweight in my, in my opinion right now. A guy like Joe Joyce would, would start him in, in, in three or four rounds. Uh, it's a new generation of, of heavyweights. This is the top 10 right now of heavyweights is as good as probably the 1990s. Hmm. All right. Quote me on that. There's a lot of good fighters at heavyweight right now. And Wilder ain't one of them. And for the people talking about Hall of Fame, oh, my God. If you had Wilder in the Hall of Fame, you have to have John Ruiz in the Hall of Fame. Okay, John Ruiz, the WBA champion. He's had better wins and a higher ranking a title reign than Deontay Wilder. So how can you justify it? You can't. Tim Witherspoon, much, much more deserving. Michael Moore, he's not in there, is he? He's much more deserving. And I can go on and on. Michael Moore would be way I mean, hell, more those- deserving. Yeah, let me look that up. These guys, these guys actually beat champions. Tim Witherspoon should have beaten Larry Holmes, okay, at, a, at his prime, okay? When you're talking about Hall of Fame, if you, if you induct a guy like Wilder, that just waters it down and turns it into, uh, yeah. you know, some kind of circus. Michael Moore is not in the it, Hall of Fame. And, yeah, if Wilder is in the Hall of Fame, then <laughs> and Michael Moore is wow. Michael Moore... I mean, just looking at, let's see. As a light heavyweight. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. You see him as a light heavyweight? Yeah. Lord almighty. Yeah. The guy was, a, the guy was <laughs> he was an assassin. But even John Ruiz, he beat Holyfield. He beat Hasim Rockman. He beat Kirk Johnson. He beat Andrew Galata. A lot of those fights, you know, didn't look great. But they're still W's. They're, they're, all those wins are better than every, anybody, anybody that Wilder beat. Those are better wins. Yeah, man. More this one, a two-time heavyweight champ. I'm just, you know, Moore had the WBO light heavyweight title. And at the time, the WBO wasn't very <laughs> respected, but he did have the WBO belt. 
and then he moves up. He skips over cruiserweight, goes right to heavyweight, and ends up being the legitimate lineal heavyweight champion of the world, right? Because he beat uh, he beat Holyfield. Right. Now it was brief. Right after he beat Bo. Yeah, mm-hmm. he beat uh, – let me see. Yeah, yeah, Holyfield after he beat Bo. Yeah, he yeah, beat- yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then he so, won it, and then he won the IBF belt again on the undercard of the Holyfield Tyson fight, and he when he fought Franz Botha, who Botha was a good fight, good fighter. So again, yeah. let's let's put that to rest. Wilder's not a Hall of Famer, okay? He would have to beat Usyk, and he'd probably have to beat Fury in, in another rematch, or and Anthony Joshua, all three, to get in the Hall of Fame, and that's not happening. It's not happening. So you know, let's put that prop again in the bed. So. Uh, with that, Mike, yeah, uh, try to take my advice. Uh, try to get Zach Parker on and interview this guy because he's he's sitting there, he's sitting there, you know, taking it on the chin. This is this guy's livelihood is on the line, and he got dicked around for a year. Mike, if that if I had something similar happen to me like that, and believe me, I retaliated. Okay, when somebody left me hanging for over a year like that. Okay, and he and if he's just sitting here letting Andrade take it, I want to hear what he has planned, and then maybe he could instruct you know people in the boxing community you know just behind the scenes like what really goes on when these fights are canceled and and people you know jerking other people around for their own selfish gain Mm. so i'm 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 wondering if he has a a lawsuit Mm. he should uh employ a barrister over in england and you know go to work on andrade for whatever he has left so hopefully uh you know, you could uh, score that away, and uh, we'll, we'll be watching on OnlyFans. Okay, Mike? <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend, man. You too now. Thanks. All right. All right, we got a super chat from Sam. He says, Bob Sheridan may have been the best of all time. The Colonel! Man, I love Bob Sheridan, man. And I can't remember the number of fights he, he did, but he did a lot of fights. I mean, he might have the record. Honestly, he might have the record. But, yeah, he talk about a guy that would get hyped up during a fight. And get you hyped up. I, I yeah, everyone loved the Colonel man. Um, man, some interesting stuff from Thad. And, and look, I, I know a lot of you guys won't agree with everything he says. That's not the that's not the point. But um, some some great points brought up, you know, in there. Uh, M and T says uh, I'd like to see you do more interviews with boxers and other folks in boxing media. Your strength is interviewing. I appreciate that. You know, um, I probably will. Um, going forward it's um it's difficult to set up interviews because you know some of the guys that work in media particularly the youtube guys the young guys it's all they do is youtube their youtube channel right they post three four videos a day they're on youtube all day so they can accommodate schedules really really easy it's not as easy for me i got a lot going on and um so i've let uh interviews fall by the wayside but especially if i go in this direction that i think i'm going to go in with this platform i'm gonna uh go with um i probably will be doing a lot more interviews so it's something i'll be doing more of absolutely like deed says uh i guess danny jacobs here's Lady lara austin trout and uh james kirkland are not black ha yeah i don't know last time i checked i don't know dude that whole thing about canelo is it's just weird now look i will fully admit that and you guys have heard me say this when canelo did his little run at 168 he was avoiding that third fight with golovkin um 
not avoiding it, but delaying it and going up to 68 where there are just these good, but not great title holders. Now are Saunders Smith and plant. Are they any better or worse than Andre or Charlo? I don't know. Now, the people that say the things they say about Canelo, they do think that. They think that Charlo and Andre are light years better than Plant, Smith, and Saunders. And they base that solely on one indicator. To me, that's racist. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just racist. Because there's nothing in those guys' resume that indicates they are any more proven than Saunders, Smith, and Plant, especially at 168, because Andre and Charlo have not fought there yet. So the people that say Canelo moved up to 68 to avoid those two guys, I just think that's such a, a weak, outdated, bigoted thing to say. And people say that. And there's absolutely no repercussions. If I just bring it up and talk about it, I get shit on. People attack me. Sorry, the woke people. They attack me. They, they find a tweet I posted in 2013 and, and it somehow tie that to what I'm saying right now and pound the shit out of me. And like, I, how many times can I fall on the sword for everybody else in the fucking boxing media? Because let me tell you, these top names... When, you, when I talk to them off the record, when we have conversations and you're having a couple of drinks and loosening up at the function, they fucking say everything I'm saying. <laughs> like, seriously, they, they, even more. Okay. Um, but the, the, what they say on you know ESPN or whatever platform it is, is different. So like, I don't know, dude. I, I'll, all I do is call out what I see and try to tell the truth. Um, to me, the, the top challenge for Canelo these last three years, it hasn't been Charlo, Andre, or Plant, Plant, Saunders, and Smith. It's been Golovkin. That's been the top challenge. It's actually been Golovkin and Bivol and Benavidez. Even though Benavidez isn't really proven, I'm going to leave him out. It's been Golovkin and Bivol, and he finally fought both of them this year. Um, it's, it, that's been the top challenges for him. I, I guess you can throw better be of in there, but, but anyway, for 160 to 168, the top challenge has been Golovkin. That's who he's been waiting out and avoiding. It's not Charlo and Andre. Are you fucking kidding me? <clears throat> that's just such a dumb comment from, uh, from shields or whoever else. Jack Alter says uh, boxing rant called Canelo's 168 run white boy summer. Yeah, I mean, those guys are funny, man. And the thing is, they're saying that tongue in cheek. I think they would agree with everything I just said, but they're just they're just having fun. And the, the funny part is Canelo's white, too. So, like, it's a white Mexican guy beating up Anglo white guys <laughs> at one. I guess that's white boy summer because everyone's a white guy in that scenario. I don't know. <clears throat> Jack says plants not white though. Um, <laughs> he says he'll never let a white boy beat him. Hey man, I uh, I ain't touching that one. I ain't touching that one. Leaving it alone. MNT says Sheridan had ten thousand fights apparently, one thousand title fights. Those numbers are hard to believe. 
That's like Wilt Chamberlain shit. What, what, didn't Wilt Chamberlain say he slept with like 10,000 women? If you do the math on that, I don't know, bro. I don't know about that. So 10,000 title fights. Let's break this down real quick. Let's do a, let's do some quick math. I just, you know, I'm actually curious. Let's have a little fun with this. Let's see. 10,000. If he calls 10 fights a week, that's, that would be impossible. 10 fights a week. That'd be, yeah. 10 fights a week. That'd be, uh, 500 fights a year, which is impossible. There's no freaking way that would happen. What does that equal? I can't, why can't I think right now? That'd still be 20 years. Okay, so so for Sheridan to get, for him to get 10,000 fights, he would have to call 10 fights a week for 20 years, and it's impossible. There's no freaking way. He couldn't have done that. He just couldn't have done that. Anyway. I know it was in the thousands either way. It's more than I'll ever call. Uh, Will claim 20,000. Right, you guys say 20,000. All right, 20,000. So hold on. I got to break this shit down, guys. All right, 20,000. How many days are near? 365. Okay. So if you slept with one woman a day, a different woman, not the same woman, a different woman a day, that's 365 women a year. Okay. That is, <laughs> you know, that's almost 55 years. So you'd have to sleep with a different woman every single day of your life for 55 years. I don't know, Will. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I think you might be exaggerating that shit just a little bit. Uh, cause dude, a different, ch it's not having sex every day. Everyone does that. I, th that's that's normal, right? So if he said he had sex 20,000 times, okay, we pretty much every guy does that. I'm saying a different woman every day, 365 days a year. You got to do that shit for 55 years, homie. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I don't think I believe Will. <laughs> I got to say, I don't think I believe him. Uh, all right, let's go to the phones. Let's go back to the phones here. We got Jack on the line. What's up, Jack? How you doing, man? <clears throat> hey, what's up, Mike? Uh, real quick, I just want to apologize. Uh, after wait, I, I don't think I've been on since uh, last time. I was like, man, I'm gonna mess this dude up. I uh, now that should not be named. Um, yeah, man, I'm sorry for starting a conflict on your show. I feel bad. It's all good, man. It's all good, if, guys. For what it's worth, uh, me and me and Fight Doctor chatted a little bit after the show, and everything's cool. So, so everything's cool. Everything's copacetic. It's all good. But you know I got to talk about the love here real quick because <laughs> of is, there is nothing going on. So we got to yeah, we got to cover this. So um watching did you score the fight live? I did, yeah. Yeah. Okay, do you remember what round you gave to Golovkin? No, I I think I know I gave him the first round and I gave him a couple of the late rounds. Scoring it live, I had it 117-111. Yeah, that's too wide for Canelo. This definitely wasn't a robbery, but if you look again, man, round one and then eight through 12 were really, uh, that was like all Golovkin. Canelo dominated like rounds like two through seven. But, uh, I don't know man, if I'd say they were all Golovkin. Like, dude, eight through 12, rewatch them without commentary. They, dude. 
I didn't watch you, it with I'm commentary. You, I didn't watch it with commentary. Yeah, but yeah, but if you do get a chance, I'd watch like the later part again, eight through twelve. Golovkin was winning a lot of those rounds. If I had to give it a score, I'd say seven five Canelo. But if someone had it a draw, I wouldn't mind. Um, and that's not me being a fanboy. Like in general, I understand that I am a huge fan, but dude, that was a. It ended up being a close fight in the end. I don't. And everyone was saying Golovkin's washed. He didn't look like the Golovkin he usually does, and he did lose a very close fight. And I don't give a fuck what anyone says. It was a close fight. I know you think it was nine three, but if you rewatch the fight, Michael. I'll go with eight you'll, you'll four. Think. Jack, Jack, listen, we, we just we just disagree. I look, I thought it was competitive. I thought that Golovkin had a late surge. I'm looking at CompuBox, and I know CompuBox can't be trusted, but Canelo landed more power punches in every round of that fight, every single round. Um, and he well, Mike, Golovkin Mike, landed Mike. more jabs though in most of the rounds. So if you're going by jabs, in the first fight it says landed more in the first fight. CompuBox also says that Canelo landed more power punches in the first fight as well. That's what CompuBox says. Here's here's the thing, Jack. Here's the thing. <laughs> it, to me, the story here isn't the third fight because Canelo is a 32-year-old fighting a 40-year-old. To me, the story is Golovkin got fucking ripped off in the first fight. That's the story here. And the first fight happened in 2017. It took until 2022 to get the third fight. That is the politics of boxing um, and the A side completely having things their way. To me, that's the story. So we can like bicker and squabble over CompuBox numbers and things like that in the third fight. But it, it, look, even if it was a close fight, that's fine. Canelo still edged it. He won that one fair and square, but it's a 40 year old guy. You know he, what I'm saying? He yeah. should have won. Yeah. And in the end, it wasn't too bad because everyone was saying how Canelo was going to like knock him out two rounds and shit. Like, I, I, I don't know, guys. I think Triple G's just 100% shot and Canelo's just a beast. You can knock him out two rounds. So luckily, that those haters were proved wrong. And uh, like Boxing Rant said, uh, yeah, Canelo on that white boy summer run. Triple uh, G was more competitive than any of those. Oh, any yeah. Of those, um, he was. Guys, and that should tell you everything. Everything I've been saying, like, like it, that's that's a great point to bring up, Jack. And to me, again, that's the story here. A forty-year-old Golovkin was much more competitive with Canelo than, except for Bivol. Okay, take Bivol out, but he was more competitive than Plant was, than Saunders was, than Smith was, or any of these other guys he's fought recently. So, what does that tell you? You know, like that, that, that should like silence the haters for good, but it, it won't, it really won't. Yeah. Uh, funk rate says Golovkin buckled Canelo in round nine and round 10. Didn't people see that? He hurt him twice in that fight. Um, no, he backed him up and he did great work, but I don't think he ever hurt Canelo in the third fight. Uh, he definitely buckled him in the second fight, uh, late. I know Mike, I, I, I don't know what Mike, um, thinks about that. He's never really answered the question. Do you remember in the second fight when Canelo got buckled late? a few times and was hurt yeah well i don't know if he was hurt but i do think he got he definitely felt those punches and i think that's partially why canelo played it a little bit safe at times in the third fight i if you take him at his word he was injured but he also did not want to give golovkin a chance because golovkin did i'd use the word stun 
He stunned him. I was there. I was because uh, a few people. I was trying to think. It was the twelfth round, maybe, where people were saying, "Oh, that's a Canelo round." I'm like, "How the fuck do you give that round to Canelo?" Golovkin landed the hardest shot. Did you not see Canelo stunned? I think it was the twelfth. And people were like, "I didn't see well, that." My- like, I'm like, dude, I was right there. It was right in front of me. I saw it. Like, so yeah, and that's why Canelo was a little bit cautious at times in this fight. You want to know something crazy? Um, this is proof that I'm not biased. I saw round 12 in the second fight was a Golovkin round, but when you do the punches, Canelo actually landed more power shots in the, mm. and more punches in general in that round, which was mm. insane to me. But um, yeah, outside of Triple G, um, Canelo, it was still a close fight. And I think at the end when they uh, hugged, like I think it was Canelo saying, I want nothing to do with you anymore. You, you are, I, it was, you know what I mean? He, he was like, you're 40 years old. I beat you this time, but uh, you're a better fight. You know, you know what I mean? That's what Canelo, he's like, I want nothing to do with you anymore. He was like happy that it was over with. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can get a little bit of a sense of that. And it was just, I think the whole thing has been overdone. The third fight should have happened in 2019. It should have happened before COVID it's, it's way delayed. And I think people were just burnt out. Uh, Michael Mendiola makes a good point here. I want to bring this up to you, man. He said the Triple G had gotten the decision in this third fight, in the trilogy fight. It would have been exactly like when Ward beat Kovalev in their first fight. Ward made the second half of the fight close, as did G, but not enough to take the titles. Think about it. I think it's a great point by Mendiola. Um, Canelo didn't get a knockdown early, but he, he dominated the first seven rounds of that fight. The first round was a swing round. But rounds two through seven, Canelo clearly won, dude. You cannot give Golovkin any of those rounds. So if Triple G would have got that decision, it would have had it would have kind of felt like when Ward got that decision over Kovalev, right? Um, so that's I think that's a good point to bring up. <clears throat> yeah, um, and then real quick, I just want to talk about a few of the upcoming fights. Um, Caleb Plant Durrell, I think that's a really fun one. Um do you think I think Durrell might you know Caleb Plant is very good when he's a uh, boxing like and not not late in the fight because he gets very tired. I, I could see Durrell doing an upset. That would be interesting if Durrell could pull that off. That'd be a big but, win for him, a big win. Yeah, oh yeah. Joseph says not a scratch on Triple G's face after the third fight. Yeah, everyone talked about in the second fight how Golovkin's face was marked up because of Canelo using his like scraping with the gloves and shit. Look in the third fight, Canelo's face was more busted up. Yeah. It's wild. Like, there wasn't a single scratch in his face. But, okay, anyways, Golovkin's a better fighter. Uh, he's two uh, two wins, one draw against Canelo in my book. So, um, what's the other fight on October 15th? There's yeah, like Wilder, two other. Wilder oh, yeah. Like two, yeah, uh, Wilder Hellenius. Ever, you know, I thought it's going to be like a. I could see Hellenius doing an upset. I know that's wild, but dude, Wilder, if he fights a guy who, like, he's never fought anyone, like, that was top 10 at all. And anytime he did, he was getting his ass beat before he landed a punch from the gods. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting, in my opinion. I, my thing is, dude, Gerald, ahead, I'm done. Gerald Washington stopped this guy. Johan Duapas stopped this guy. Like, if those guys are stopping him, Wilder's going to – it's all Wilder might be behind in rounds, but he is going to land a big-ass right hand early. I want to say these guys have sparred before, too. I might be wrong on that, but um, I just – I see – this is – dude, 
they've protected this guy's entire career. They know exactly what they're doing with this. I would expect, I would bet the house Wilder knockout. That being said, if Hellenius did win, if he did win, I think it'd be the upset of the year and Wilder would have to retire. He'd be done. Absolutely done. Yeah, that's uh, that'd be it. But one more thing. Uh, so I saw this tweet recently talking about uh, how would you rank the five, um, the f- these five fights in boxing. Um, it's Bivol Betterbiev, Usyk Fury, Spence Crawford, Davis Garcia, and Canelo Benavidez, if you had to rank it. And I'll, I'll repeat them if you'd like. So out of five, out of Bivol Betterbiev, Fury, Usyk, Canelo Benavidez, Spence Crawford, and Davis versus Garcia. Like, uh, how would you rank, rank those fights from your least favorite to least favorite? Um, Beterbi of Bevo would probably be my number one. Fury Usyk, my number two. Um, after that, uh, Canelo Benavidez, no, no, Spence Crawford, Canelo Benavidez. And the one I would care for at least would be Tank Garcia because neither of them have done shit. But I like that fight. That would be the fight to get the dude to the next level, you know? But I don't know. Off the top of my head, that's how I'd rate it. Yeah, that's a, yeah, and that was good. I didn't even need to, like, repeat that. You got that. But uh, for me, I think Canelo Benavidez is a terrific fight. That's my favorite, not just because I met Benavidez, but, dude, Canelo, Benavidez is literally Bivol, except he's a power puncher. Like, you remember, like, in round five of the Canelo-Bivol fight where Bivol just threw, like, 20 punches in a row on, on the ropes and landed, like, 10 of them on Canelo? Mm-hmm. He just threw, like, a jab, right, left hook, right, like, left hook, right, left hook, right, left hook, right. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, um, Benavidez is, is literally Bivol, except instead of the straight, like, basic punches, he's power punches. Right, and, yeah. dude, his style, the way Canelo gets tired and he's a young, hungry like monster dude benavidez dude i think he stopped canelo and this is prime for prime like a guy who man i'm telling you i just think it's a horrible style for canelo yeah he would pose some really difficult physical matchups and let me tell you something if if benavidez had kept his wbc title canelo would not be the undisputed super middleweight champion right now because i don't think they would have fought yet I think part of the reason that he went to 68 is Eddie Hearn had a plan and um, they, they made things work um, when they saw who was there and who had the titles, you know? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I got to read a comment then I'm going to head out. Well, my boy Joseph says, uh, Jack Alter is absolutely right. In truth, Triple G is uh, now 2-0-1 or 3-0 and against Canelo. Three, uh, being three zero against Canelo, that even my punch count, that's a bit generous. But two zero and one, that's that's okay. But um, all right, I'm gonna head out, Mike. You take care, brother. All right, man. Have a great weekend, Jack. There he goes, Billy Falco in the chat. What's up, Billy? He said uh, seventy five dollars for Wilder and Plant. No thanks. Yeah, man, that's a tough sell. That's a tough sell. Now that's another one, dude. If that was on like regular Fox. I think it'd do numbers, man. I really do. Those two matchups would do numbers. Sam with the super chat. Thank you, Sam. He said, uh, I thought a draw was coming again, so they didn't have to pay the Canelo money. Casinos mean a lot in these decisions, trust me. Yeah, I could see that. I honestly wondered about that a little bit, Sam. I wondered, um, could, could they maybe have a draw here? And had Golovkin started sooner, had he 
won one of those early rounds and started his run a little earlier, it would have been a draw. And, you know, could you imagine? Could you imagine if that fight ended in a draw to where two of those fights would have been draws officially on the books? Uh, that would have been big, dude. That would have been real big. Nigel checking in. What's up, Nigel? What's up, man? He said, uh, the PBC Al Heyman have played a large part in America's boxing, American boxing's decline. Several fights should have been made, but they kept blocking them. Hey, man, you took the words right out of my mouth, bro. It's just, they're not the only ones. They're not the only ones. All right, we're going to go to France because uh, France has been on hold here for a minute. Hey, Mike. What's up, bro? How hey, you doing, Mike. man? Hello. I'm doing great. Hello from beautiful France. I'm very happy to, to, to be back on the show. Thank you, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well, so uh, just to come to the show uh, just a few minutes ago, and I, I listened to you first, Tad, and uh, shout out to him because uh, he's uh, very knowledgeable, and uh, it's very pleasant to hear him, and shout out to, to uh, Jack also, <laughs> just coming after him. Um, yeah, so thank you for, for this uh, great show because... Uh, Great to, to have a um, variety of uh, opinion and a, and a conversation and a really a dialogue uh, because um, it's um, <clears throat> it's more open than uh, on other shows. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, cool. Just uh, I, I wanted to, to to go deep tonight a little bit <laughs> right. about the Golovkin and Canelo fight because uh, you, you just uh, started the subject with uh, Jack uh, a few minutes ago. And I wanted to, to talk about this for, for a long time. I've, I, um, sorry. I have always wondered about the uh, Golovkin right hand in the free fight, actually. And, um, and you know, the first fight was supposed to be fixed uh, based on the rumor on the internet. But um, uh, as a matter of fact, I have a question um, on all free fights because um, I think in all Canelo fights, uh, Golovkin did not really let go his right hand, and if you see um, all those fights, he fought, uh, he fought uh, quite uh, cautiously. And um, I tend to have the opinion that uh, it's related to his um, his amateur background and uh, his strict uh, background, you know, his strict training. And I think he doesn't have the, the he, he will go. He's a great defensive fighter, as a matter of fact. He, he will go cushion first. And uh, he would uh, not take the risk because he, he knows that on the, on the long time, he's going to have the better power. But um, with Canelo, he needed to have uh, another mentality. He needed to have a more uh, Mexican style. The real Mexican style. And when he started to... to, to when he started those fights, um, I think he became, um, you know, conscious of the vivacity of Canelo right. and uh, the fluidity of Canelo. And um, his a strong amateur background. He doesn't let him go through because if you think logically, he has a better chin, he has a better power, and he has a better versatility. Um, he has a better, um, I mean, uh, diversity of uh, blows. He knows a lot. And uh, he, he should have the, the, I mean, not the bollocks, because uh, of course he's got the guts, you know, he's, he's a very brave man, but he has this uh, discipline not to take the um, extra risk, you know. 
And um, and I think that's uh, what hurts him in a what has hurt him in a, all those fights and all the three fights actually because you didn't see the right hand. You didn't want to commit in the right hand. I don't know what's your opinion. What's your opinion on that? Uh, Mike? I think he he tried it. Golovkin tried the right hand a few times and he did land a couple, but he was also countered with it, and he had more success with the jab because he wasn't. It's it's harder to count. It's harder for Canelo to counter the jab. But there was a few times where uh, Golovkin threw a right hand or fainted the right hand, and Canelo was able to counter him. Um, and Canelo has faster hands than Golovkin. So, so he had, he landed a couple big shots, countered well with it. And I think Golovkin was just cautious of it. It was also angles too. Canelo was doing a good job staying away from Golovkin's right hand. I guess Canelo didn't mind hitting, getting hit with the jab, but he wanted to stay away from Golovkin's power. Yeah, but, um, a lot of times, uh, as, um, as a matter of fact, it's uh, Golovkin that doesn't commit in the right hand when he's got uh, Canelo on the ropes, and especially in the first fight because it, yeah. it, uh, it happens quite a lot. And at that time, when you when you get uh, when you get uh, Canelo come out in the in the in the ropes, he doesn't commit to the to the right hand. He doesn't go to 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 the to the blow, you know. And uh, I think um, a fighter with a I mean, um, less, um, more professional background, like, uh, with a shorter amateur ca- career, career would have more gone, uh, you know, the uh, second all the way and, uh, and, um, you know, taking more risks and going, uh, because he, ha- he has a better shit, I think, of the two. Well, I tend to think so. You think Olavkin does better chin? Better chin than Canelo. I think he's got the better chin and the better power. You know. Yeah, definitely really better footwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing too, the, the only power, thing though, sorry, sometimes but... with Golovkin, he gets a little front foot happy. He fights on the front foot because um, because he he's used to coming forward on guys, and and so he, when he comes mm. forward, he's on the front foot. I think in this third fight, he tried to fight on the back foot a little bit more. And it's not normally how he fights. He's a front foot fighter. Um, so I saw him trying to change that a little bit. And maybe that's something that Jonathan Banks worked with him on. I'm not sure. But I did notice that. I'm not sure if you saw that either. I saw that also on the, on the training uh, sessions, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. there was a way they walked the path together. And he seems to be a, a little bit... Uh, more uh, relaxed and more stand, uh, standing on the back foot, front foot. But uh, yeah, it, it was, um, I think, uh, once it's here, it doesn't fit him well. And um, I think, obviously, he's on, on the verge of his uh, career, of course. But um, I think he's still got one or two fights left in him because um, he didn't take a lot of damage in, a, in the third Canelo fight. And um, we spoke earlier a few weeks before the fight, uh, and uh, I say if uh, can, uh, I said if Canelo wants to to, to kill Golovkin, he's got to commit, and he didn't uh, commit to to get the like, uh, the stoppage, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't want to, and he, he talked a lot about it, and um, and he didn't uh, want to at all, he didn't try to, so it, it says a lot about him, you know, and um, <clears throat> I'm not really into the. Well, the wrist injury as well. I think it's uh, a lot of bullshit, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't see him, you know, fighting for one year with the, his, his left wrist uh, totally wasted, you know. He, he looked perfectly in shape. He didn't seem to, to, to train uh, in a different way. Uh, we saw him, uh, you know, doing all the strength, uh, strength and uh, conditioning all the way normally. So it's a bit weak, I think. I think, um, of course, he doesn't want the, to, to be Benavides site and the Benavides site, uh, is uh, like the elephant in the room, so it's gonna take a whole year uh, of rest on uh, on layoff, and he's um, done a lot, you know. He's <laughs> mm-hmm. done a lot of fights, so he's gonna take his rest, and uh, you know that's his way of dodging. The, the I think he he hopes uh, maybe Benavides will get a loss or will get exactly. a bit because Benavides has done it. Or go move up to 160, uh, 75, maybe, you know? Exactly. Because he might move up to 175, so that's perfect for him to stay at I think that was their strategy. I, I think Canelo and that's, Eddie that's Hearn, because you got to remember, Canelo signed with Eddie Hearn after that second Golovkin fight and, and went over to the zone, because that's when HBO boxing ended here in America. When he went over to Eddie Hearn and the mm-hmm. zone, Eddie Hearn had a plan. And he said, hey, look at what's going on at 168. You can move up to 168. Our only real threat here is David Benavidez, but he does a lot of cocaine and he keeps missing weight. He's not going to be an issue. <laughs> He's probably going to move to 175 anyway. So you can beat all these guys. You can be the undisputed champion, and then you could bring Golovkin up for a third fight at the end. And that plan worked out. The only part they screwed up is Canelo wanted to go to 175 and fight Bivol in May. The the fight with Golovkin should have happened in May. That's where Canelo screwed up. Yeah. 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 Because uh, there was a lot uh, a lot of uh, yeah. was a lot of slackness on the uh, on the fight, yeah. Of course. And you yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah, coming from a lot was not a very, very easy fight to sell. And um, what, just one thing is, um, uh, I think we should more we should focus more on the Ben Eubank um, fight because uh, that's a bit of a, that's a big fight. Absolutely, that's a big fight. Uh, uh, Connor Ben coming up two weight classes to, to fight uh, at one fifty-seven, like the, the ten pounds ahead of his natural weight, and he's not a big guy. I don't know. I don't know his weight. So I don't know how he goes around, but uh, it's not a big guy. And, <laughs> and I fancy him, by the way. I think he's a, he's a better fighter. He's smaller, but he's a better football fighter. By, by I think far. he's a better fighter too. Uh, I've never been yeah. very. Uh, I've never been so much impressed by Eubank. So me too. And <laughs> and, uh, and that's that's um, really. Um, Story because uh, they uh, that have a fought in their time. I think it's. Uh, do you have uh, any idea of any other fight coming this way? The other fight and then the some fight. What well, next week we've got um, Fondora, Sebastian Fondora's fighting. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, sorry. I meant. I meant sorry. Yeah, uh, no, I meant um, because you know. I don't know if you know, but uh, they both some of fighters that fought. You know, uh, Connor oh, Ben and uh, it's Eubank, son of, know, the sons right? of Ben and Eubank. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both. They're both. You know, uh, it's a big, a big stuff in in London, in, in England, because uh, 
uh, Chris Eubanks Senior mm. is a boxer, you know him. Was a boxer. And uh, Nigel Ben is the father of Connor Ben. Mm-hmm. And uh, the two family was a big r- r- rivalry of the 80s in uh, UK boxing. And then, 30 years afterwards, the, the son fight. You know? That's why they, 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 they wanted to fight because uh, their father's side fought in that time. Of course. It's a family business. You didn't know that? <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. yeah that... so do you have any idea? Yeah, it's never seen, I think. I, yeah, I don't. I, this is it's happened before. I have seen where the sons of former fighters have fought before, but not this big. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it's happened, yeah. but it's been um, guys who weren't this good. And it wasn't, it definitely was not in the UK, it was in America. It just wasn't as big. But um, yeah, th- this yeah. is this fight is going to do numbers, it's, it's going to do well uh with ticket sales and with tv ratings it's going to be big in the uk it's been sold so off in a of course hours. yeah of course I and i remember so when it was hours. first being discussed a lot of crazy. people in america thought it was crazy and i told people this is going to be a big fight it's gonna so i can't wait we'll we'll talk about it next week on on the neutral corner of course we'll talk about it but um uh, yeah i look so. forward yeah, yeah. to it because because really because really cannot kind of, kind of, it's showing good you know, Shane Bordock. Absolutely. To, to move up like this. Yeah. And fight a more experienced fighter. But, um, and Eubanks, I don't think he gets his education, you know. We saw, we saw him losing uh, uh, against uh, George Wills, the whole George Wills, you know, and still got enough to, to beat him with his. I remember I took a bet with a friend, uh, a friend uh, back then, and it was a, uh, we're seeing uh, the, um, I mean, Chris Shubank is to get the perfect shape, of course. And but he lacks the, the really the, the basics. It's still a, it's a bit better with uh, Roger Jr., but not uh, not uh, not getting there already. I think Kanaban uh, is a better fighter. I think he will come up with a pen. He come up with a tight pen, and uh, I think he will be smart enough to, to stop him because he. I can't see anything other than a stoppage in his fight. That'd be a big, big statement. Yeah. That would be uh that would be if, if Ben could move up and wait like that. It the one thing about Eubank is no one's really hurt him badly. So if if Ben could move up and actually hurt him and stop him, and by the way, if the fight goes late, I think that benefits Ben because Eubank is cutting so much weight to make this fight. Uh that would be pretty interesting. That'd be really, really interesting. Yeah, because he fought for, for the most part for, for last year. He fought at super middleweight, not the uh, not the uh, one sixty, mm-hmm. but uh, one sixty-eight mostly. Right, right. So he's, he's killing himself. He's killing himself to make the weight, and it, it'll be it will it would be defeated. Will be defeated, and uh, and um, I think he will fight for specialty. He will try to do the counter mostly. And uh, try to land something big. So, Conoban has uh, got to be has um, got to be on his uh, top game because it's going to be a stoppage one way or another. It, it, yeah, very well, Chris Shubank stopping him. You know, I'm not doing a fun boy there, it, mm-hmm. but uh, it will be a stoppage one way or another. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you for the call. Thank you, so Johnny. Pleasure to to call you and I will have a great and, weekend, uh, brother. I hope. Uh, you too, you too, Mike. And uh, shout out to everyone. See you. Bye. Bye. Right. Ciao.
There he goes, Johnny, with some good stuff from France. And uh, in the chat, Anthony Santiago with Super Chat. Thank you so much. He says, what up, Mike? And chat, why are we still talking about Canelo Triple G3? Did Fury give AJ another deadline? Zapata versus Progray. Great fight. Yeah, look, so Zapata versus Progray. I've seen you guys talking about that in the chat. Fantastic fucking fight. We'll talk about it Monday on TNC, okay? I wanted to um, kind of give that in the news and notes section its own, like, time. And we'll talk about that. Uh, but obviously, I love that matchup. I love both of those fighters. progray has been one of my favorite fighters of recent years. I just like his style and the way he brings it. Zapata is going to match up perfectly with him. That's going to be fun. Uh, as far as Fury and AJ, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather watch the latest Fast and Furious movie. There's been like 800 of them. I'd rather watch that than he, listen to Fury and AJ talk online. I'm just sick of her bullshit. I'm with you on Canelo Golovkin, man. Um, just great two fights. It just sucks that the business of boxing had its way. And we didn't get that third fight in 2019. Because I really, really think if they had fought again, think about it like this. It would have been three straight Septembers, right? Uh, 17, 18, and 19 in September. Boom, boom, boom. All three of those fights would have been freaking classics. Um, I thought that uh, th if they fought in 2019, the third fight would have been just as good as the first two. Seriously, it may have been the best of the three, actually. But, man, four years later, we get the third fight, and it was after COVID. Um, I don't care what anybody says Golovkin has shown wear and tear a prime Golovkin stomps Ryota Murata just blasts him out it looked like the David Lemieux fight that's exactly how it looked he got caught early in that fight a few times now he won he stopped I get it but and then the way he struggled even with um uh Derevianchenko um just again there's just slippage there you can see and maybe we wanted to like ignore it and look past it. No, dude, it was there. And Canelo, um, you know, look, I, I take him at his word that he fought injured. Um, but so maybe he wasn't a hundred percent in that fight either, but it's just a shame, dude, that that fight happened when it did. I'm with you, Ant. I'm sick of talking about it already. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting like that with the, Spence and Crawford fight, even though that fight hasn't happened yet. I'm just sick of talking about it. I'm sick of the back and forth. I am having a little fun trolling, though, because for years we were told certain things were the issue, and now we're learning they really weren't. All right, guys, we've been going for almost two hours. I'm going to um, get ready for dinner. It's Friday night. I got a bunch of you guys on hold. I'm sorry I couldn't get to all of you. Um, you know how it is. Call in Monday. All right. Call in Monday for TNC. We'll get to the phones a little earlier and uh, have a great weekend, guys. I would say enjoy the fights, but there are no fights. So you know what? Log off of social media. Get off of Twitter. Get off of damn YouTube. Get off all this shit. Go outside. Go outside. Do something outside. All right. All right, guys. Um, see you Monday. Have a great weekend. Peace.